Oh, I'm sorry. Are you saying that the movie wasn't logical and logical decisions weren't made? You tell me there's no hotels in Detroit. Greetings and salutations, and welcome to Hacker Slash. If you're joining us again, welcome back. This is 476 Barbary, right? If this is your first time listening, welcome to the party. We are a horror movie review podcast dedicated to telling you whether a movie is a hack, a total joke, a waste of time, or a slash. Totally killer. Unintended. We believe horror is for everyone, and as such, we're rating these movies with the perspective we've gained from our varying walks of life and the flavors of fear we fancy most. My name is Chris. I'm your friendly neighborhood slasher enthusiast. This week, I'm joined by the super fly space guy, Mac. Why don't you just crash here? The cowardly creeper, Ryan. Keith! And the classic horror connoisseur, Sean. I don't know if you got a great look at this neighborhood, but I don't think you should be out there by yourself. This episode is brought to you by Manscaped, who is the best in below-the-waist grooming. This week, we're checking out a film that sent shockwaves during its theatrical run and released for home streaming on October 25th. After reading The Gift of Fear, Zach Kreger sought to write a 30-minute story of a conversation in which a woman ignores an increasing amount of red flags. After feeling as though he'd built a solid foundation for a larger story, Kreger turned his sights to a feature-length project and enlisted the aid of his personal friend Jordan Peele to help shape the overall story. The end product is a film that begins with a woman who arrives at an Airbnb only to discover it's double booked and takes viewers on a journey so unexpected it inspired those viewers to help the film maintain a 92% Rotten Tomatoes score since its release on September 9th, 2022. This week, we're talking about Barbarian. What were you all expecting going into this? You know, I, I watched the trailer and then I rewatched it. And then I think I rewatched it again today before I was watching the movie. And I, I don't know. I just expected like some sort of really intense captive situation. Yeah. I, there was a lot of hype surrounding this movie. I, I didn't get to see it in theaters. I waited for it to stream, but. I remember at work, everyone hyping this movie. There was so much hype that inevitably, like, you're going to go into this with some high expectations. So, yeah. I'll be honest. One of the things that I saw before I watched this was Paris's comment about it in our Discord. And then, like, right when the movie started, I realized that I had seen the trailer for this before. For some reason, it hadn't occurred to me that, like, A was B. And so I went in just trying to forget what Paris said, because spoiler alert here, Paris does not like this movie. So I was trying to forget that, not be tainted by that, and also just kind of like, let it be what it was. But I, I'll be honest, I didn't have very high expectations. That's fair to not have those high expectations. I heard about so much greatness from this movie. And I think it's one of those where I I went into it with a very open mind, aside from expecting that greatness. And that was because I've heard so much about it from people that I love, respect, and value. So I think I was able to expect really nothing but a great time. And a great time I got. Uh, This was so much of the movie that I really, really enjoyed. But the problem is I really, really enjoyed it until I very suddenly did not enjoy it. And I was really caught up in the moment of everything in, in a very positive way. But then there were moments where I was really disappointed. And there was... Again, that moment that I laughed so hard, I cried. And there's the the fine line there of were you laughing with it or were you laughing at it? I think this movie definitely has some campy moments that can really make you feel like, okay, this is the tone. This is a choice. This is a direction. But there are other moments where I think they they aimed for things that they couldn't really live up to. At the beginning, you mentioned like 
the goal being ignoring red flags for like writing this movie. And while I was watching this, I, I can't even really communicate how many times I wanted to scream why at the television. Like, I'm not a person that sits at home and screams at a TV, but the way I wanted to be that girl for this movie, there's so much why. Everything here is just why for me. I do think it's pretty fair, though, to say that the movie felt segmented. Not that it's three separate movies, but it definitely feel it feels like it has chunks. And when I was thinking about like how I felt about it, that's literally split in three. That's exactly how I felt about it. We're watching it and I'm feeling that dread, that that stress of like, oh, man, something bad is going to happen. And then we get into this place where it's like, OK, things are getting spicy. And then we finish strong with the goodbye rails. This train's headed to space. And I don't know if it was like the strongest decision to really just like jump the shark for the third act. But boy, did they. I mean, I've got to actually say that this did feel like three separate movies for me. That This definitely had abrupt changes throughout the film that really took me for a ride that I wasn't really expecting for. Yeah, I mean, I'll I'll probably unpack it a little bit more later, but definitely the abrupt shifts in direction and and uh, jumping around really threw me off, and I I don't know if I was able to get back on that train. The abrupt shifts are a really distinct choice to make, and I think in so many ways it actually works well. So you know, we talked about how the trailer for this movie leads you in a direction, but it doesn't give away anything else. And that is so difficult to do. So I absolutely, I have to commend it for that, right? There's a point where something changes in this movie. I'm like, whoa, what the fuck is going to happen next? Because I've walked into this thinking that the entire, you know, first however long in the movie is the entire thing. And I think it, it kind of in that way gives you that psycho moment, right? That the, the all bets are off moment. And it, it makes it exciting in a lot of ways. But I think where I fall in disappointment is... Not that they put in three different movies in one, but that it almost felt like they were trying to say something that they didn't know how to say. And it really kind of sets up to make some points about some characters and the fates of some characters and and just the type of people that we get. And it feels like it does enough to try to complicate things and try to be interesting But then it doesn't stick the landing on a lot of it. And I found that to be incredibly disappointing, especially given the subject matter that it tries to take on. Yeah, I think the thing that that most surprised me was definitely what they did with the antagonist. I think I went in with, like you said, certain expectations. And and it, for me, went above those expectations. And I think the movie has some themes, like you mentioned, that could be delivered upon better. But it also helps us look at the question of, Who's the real antagonist for this movie? And in real life, I guess you could say. And so that that part was interesting, at least for me. Well, that's deep. The feeling that I had while watching this, at least while watching the first half, was like right when this movie seemed like it was going to be predictable, it wasn't. So like I remember watching this and my wife kept saying stuff like, oh, here comes this jump scare or this is about to happen. And then it didn't. Like none of that stuff happened, right? It takes you in a direction with playing around with you, like thinking you're going to go down a conventional, predictable like route, and then it doesn't, um, which built a lot of tension throughout the first half of the movie um, until it changed directions. And so, like, I remember that being like my initial thought while watching this film. I think my biggest surprise is, unfortunately, this is one of the movies that I have seen the trailer for, and 
once you're watching this movie, well, first I spent like the first bit kind of pissed off that I had seen the trailer and I kind of couldn't get it out of my head and like what I thought it was going to be. And then part of the way through, I realized like, oh, yeah, the trailer seems like it gives you everything and it gives you almost nothing. And I was very happy to discover that because I don't want a movie spoiled for me. And truly this trailer is one where you're like, great. I just saw like that whole movie. Like I know everything that's going to happen and you do not. Let me tell you, you don't know what's coming. Okay. So not knowing what's coming, I think really lends itself well to keeping things suspenseful, keeping things interesting. And it really keeps you invested in who's going to make it out of this and who isn't going to make it out. Will anyone make it out? Um, you know, is this going to be one of those movies where evil wins? And there are so many different directions that it can go. And while it does a lot to create atmosphere, create tension, create suspense, I did not feel scared at any point in this movie. And there are some moments for sure where I think, there are effective modern jump scares in here. So I think if you're particularly prone to it, if you're sensitive to it, if um, maybe you are someone who dabbles very lightly in horror, maybe you're the the ride or die for one of your close friends who loves horror movies and you're kind of like the tribute who goes along to the theater, there might be some things in this movie that spook you. But I think overall, what's frightening about this movie is how real some of the characters are. And what's more frightening is that they didn't really say anything great with those characters. Honestly, it, it didn't scare me at all, of course, because that's me. But uh, it sounds like Chris Chris and I are fairly aligned on this. I think the thing I would be more scared about would be, you know, hidden cameras in Airbnbs and hotels than this movie. I think considering I am in a place of what feels like complete numbness to horror as far as like you know being scared i do think it gave like a creepy enough vibe that like watching it by myself at night made me feel like a little bit uncomfortable and kind of like looking over my shoulder so like yeah it's not super scary but i I wouldn't say this is the least scary thing we've watched recently and like some things that you see on screen do be extremely traumatizing so it's got something yeah i mean so this this movie can be unsettling at times, right? It, it can leave you feeling uneasy in many ways. There's definitely some good, like, classic jump scares, you know, the jump scares that are backed by, like, screeching strings from the score to get you to react throughout the film. But overall, the movie is more disturbing than frightening, right? Like, it wasn't scary. It was just unsettling and disturbing. For sure. And I think in some ways, it. I don't wouldn't say that it completely takes cheap shots to get there. Like this isn't the kind of movie that I think uh, I've I've had my complaints about with some others where it feels like you're just adding in, you know, this particular type of scene to up the intensity or really get the shock value. I don't think this is necessarily that, but I will say that this is distinctly its own movie. Like even if you want to think that there is something kind of similar, like we've seen some, Airbnb-ish or hotel-ish horror movies that are out there. This goes in a direction that is fucking bold, to say the least. Yeah, I think, you know, there's some elements here of other movies that we've seen and even reviewed. There's one that wouldn't make sense to compare it to unless, of course, you've seen it and I don't want to spoil anything. But I just think this story isn't something that we've seen told quite yet, at least not in this way. So it, it still scores some originality points. 
but that that's it right there, right? On one end of the spectrum, I feel as though there is some originality to the film, but at the other end of the spectrum, I feel as though we've seen this before. Like the movie takes may it may take like an unconventional way of telling the story, but I definitely feel like we have seen bits and pieces of this story in many, many other films. Yeah, I have to completely agree with that. It feels original and unoriginal at the exact same time. Absolutely. Well, do you think the way this movie approaches its ending is a contributor to that? Oh, boy. The ending. I can't wait to dig into this more because at first it seems kind of satisfying in a way, but it just gets so cheesy for a minute. And then you're just left with like an abrupt, like cut to black almost. So just it's almost too fast, but also too long because the stuff that we do get is a bit cheddar. That cheesiness we get at the end is like personally appalling for me like i again was like yelling at my tv like are is this really what you're giving me at the end of this movie this set of dialogue this is what you're giving me so yeah it's a it's a no for me on the ending on this one gosh i gotta say like the ending was overall pretty lame for me i gotta say like the backstory it it just felt like they crammed into the second half of the film it felt very rushed uh it, it was confusing uh there were a lot of plot holes for me it was just downright fucking strange like not uh not unsettling but strange towards the end and the tough part is the movie started off really strong and then it went on to derail in the second half and completely lost me by the end um the the only thing i thought was cool at the end was was how the film kind of played on your emotions with the antagonist right which we'll probably talk about a little bit more in the second half but that was the probably the only thing that i enjoyed from the ending so look this is another one of those where when it's all said and done, do I enjoy the basic math of what happens? Yeah. The ending conclusion here, I get it. I appreciate it. I respect it. But the journey that we take to get there, what you have to suffer through to get there, I don't know that I'm totally on board with it. I had this same issue with Halloween Ends. Halloween ends. I'm okay with the ending that we get on paper. And I've had to like revisit that conversation so many times when, you know, seeing people in my life who just are are asking me to weigh in on it. It's that phrase. It's not what you said. It's how you said it. And this movie is not how you ended. It's how you ended. It's complicated. This movie is complicated because again, I, I really enjoyed so much of it until I enjoyed so little of it. And I think I have some feelings to sort out. Maybe it's pretty clear for the rest of us. So let's go ahead and start making our way to our ratings. Now, before we actually score this movie, Ryan, how would you rate the gore score? We're going medium here. It it could go towards high, but I'm I'm feeling pretty solid about a medium gore score tonight. And what about the Animal Report? Animal Report is all good. Well, let's go ahead and get into our rating then. Barbarian from 2022. Is it a hacker slash? Well, hacker slash this movie was at least a ride that's for sure i expected just a fairly standard like lure and capture fight to survive kind of horror movie i didn't expect the actual danger that was lurking and i also didn't expect a movie with a message i'm happy we got what we got there's solid tension really solid tension built in the first third of this film and kind of an insane albeit weaker third third each character feels like a silhouette car from modern life And as always, the real danger is the hubris of men all the way back to ancient Greece, right? So it's still a slash, and I think it's a solid entry into the 2022 horror release list. 
All right. So this movie started off strong, right? I said that it derailed in the second half. The film was riddled with ideas and and, and things that we have already seen before. Uh, Zach Krager, uh, he brings a level of humor uh campiness if you will i don't know maybe from his you know whitest kids you know days to this film that like kind of it just took away from the i don't know scariness or the horror of it all right um the movie is unpredictable in some moments and yet like even more predictable in others um barbarian to me is unconventional in a lot of ways but maybe that's all it's got going for it this movie is a hack for me. I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna be able to slash this film. I am for sure hacking this film. You know, Sean, you know, I also thought that we were just gonna get a pretty standard, you know, a man chasing woman for two hours kind of movie. As we get into this, you definitely don't get that. It is unique. It takes, it takes a unique approach to kind of how the story is told here. But if y'all know me at all, you know that I don't want to be watching a movie trying to figure out why people are making the decisions they're making. There's only one good decision that's made in this movie, and it's when an actress says nope, when she says, no, I'm not going in there. That is the only intelligent decision that was made. This movie for me is a story about why you should not trust strangers. This is a story about what not to do. The whole time I was just sitting back yelling in my head about why they were doing this or not doing that. And honestly, I found it to be so frustrating. I think this is one of those movies where if you understand camp, you might like it. But I'd like to argue that camp doesn't make sense. Okay. It, it's, it's made up. You guys may say that things that are bad are campy and they're not. This movie's not good. It's not fun. I, okay. I'm going to give my disclaimer here. I think if I had seen this in a theater with people, I think I would have had a great time. I think it would have felt like watching X in the theater almost. I'm completely okay with that, but I didn't see it in a theater. I saw it at home. It's a scary movie. I was supposed to be scared and I was just pissed off. All I did was ask why the whole time. This is a freaking hack. So much passion. So this movie is complicated. I mentioned earlier that I loved it so much until I suddenly hated it. And that is a really heavy load to bear when you want to love a movie. There is a lot of potential here. Uh, I love, love, love our leading lady. I love Bill Skarsgård as Keith. I love the approach that we get to the duality of antagonists. And I love the layers that are attempted at saying something about this movie. The problem is things got a little muddled. In, in terms of like writing it and thinking back to the, what is the original vision of this film? What is the conviction, right? What is the overall tone? Think about The Gift of Fear, a book that I love, where it just talks about intuition and trusting your gut and trusting your instincts. This movie is at its best when that's what this movie is about. So as I consider like what my feelings are about this overall, in this moment, I think I'm going 50.1% slash. With that, Barbarian. 2022, one of the highest rated films of the year, has proven to be divisive for us here tonight, earning two slashes and two hacks. Now, this movie is streaming right now in the US on HBO Max, so go check it out, then join us in the second half so we can really dive into this together. We'll see you in a bit. Oh, hey, friend. Picture this. You pull up to your Airbnb. 
You're looking forward to a nice, relaxing weekend to yourself. But when you get there, you realize you're double booked. And not only are you double booked, but you're now bunking with the person of your dreams. Now, sure, you could be faced with the opening scene of Barbarian. You may, in fact, be doomed. But what if this is the start of your meet-cute romantic comedy? Are you ready for that? And perhaps equally important, is your lawn ready for that? Lucky for you, support for Hackerslash is brought to you by Manscaped, who is the best in below-the-waist grooming. Their products are precision-engineered tools for all your grooming needs. And don't let the name fool you, either. You already know that we believe horror is for everyone, and I'm here to tell you from personal experience, so is Manscaped. They sent us the new Performance Package 4.0, their ultimate hygiene bundle, and I'm genuinely blown away by the craftsmanship and quality of their products. The package includes a wide variety of goods, including their weed whacker, ear and nose hair trimmer, crop preserver ball deodorant, crop reviver toner, and travel bag. Well, a shed, if you will, to keep it all nice and tidy. My favorite things, though, are their absurdly comfortable moisture-wicking boxers and the Lawnmower 4.0, a waterproof trimmer that also has a cutting-edge ceramic blade to help reduce the risk of grooming accidents and ingrown hairs. You gotta keep it smooth. Now listen, I've been down the road of trying trimmers, razors, everything in between. The Lawnmower 4.0 is a real deal, and has got me feeling much more confident these days. And look, reality is, holiday season is right around the corner, folks. Perhaps it's time for you and yours to have the gift of confidence as well. Join us and over 4 million individuals worldwide who trust Manscaped with this exclusive offer for you. 20% off and free worldwide shipping with the code SLASH20 and manscaped.com. Unlock your confidence and always use the right tools for the job with Manscaped. Welcome back, folks. You are now entering the spoiler zone for Barbarian, which has earned two slashes and two hacks. Now, we have lots to unpack here, but before we get into the specifics of our ratings, Ryan, take us through the kills. The gore here is interesting. I feel like we get a couple of moments of quite high gore but overall it doesn't happen enough for for it to go beyond like a medium gore score for me the big one is keith's head getting slammed into the wall that's probably one of the more gory moments of the movie there's a couple other little things that go on but i don't want to go over all of them we only have a few what are your favorite kills oh aj easily my favorite kill because even though we don't get to see the front of the head seeing that the eyes are destroyed and then seeing the head ripped in half was just absolutely perfect for that character. He deserved it so much. A hundred percent. AJ was was a good one with like the creepy, like witchy fingers going into the eyes. But I think it's obvious Keith getting his head like smashed into the wall over and over again and just just beaten to a pulp was just uh, brutal. And uh, that's got to be my favorite kill. AJ had an intense death. Nowhere near as soon as it should have happened. The way this man just mediocred his way through this whole movie was baffling to me. Keith, hell of a death. Really great stuff there. I want to go with what I think is the most disappointing death, which is Frank. Getting to go out on his own terms, despite being the fucking monster that he is. It's tough, right? Um, we're going to, I'm sure, get to how dark the themes in this movie can get and, and the areas that they explore. But at that point, second death of the movie terrible yeah i think 
you know, it was satisfying to see AJ killed the way that he was, but I think Frank is the one that deserved to literally be ripped to pieces. So it is disappointing that we didn't get something a little bit better. And honestly, even that we didn't get like AJ killing him, like he just stood there like a dingus. That's That was the worst part. Yeah, it's a way that you can be such a vicious, vile monster, realize, oh, I'm about to get caught. And then she'd be like, no consequence for me. I'm done. Thanks. I'm expiring. It's just, it's it's tough, right? There's a lot of heaviness that is even broached with that topic. But Frank did not go out in a way that was meaningful to add something compelling to the movie. It felt like a scapegoat. I think it was a way to avoid him being in the movie any longer. I think it was like, we're going to introduce him. We're going to give the backstory, but we don't want to have to factor him in in any meaningful way after this. Okay, but for Tess getting accidentally shot, AJ could have accidentally shot Frank. And it would have been much better. There's a lot of things that could have been much better. I think, like... In general, it's weird how heavy, like, the Frank situation is, and for him to just, like, show up and then just kill himself really quickly. Like, it's kind of just a weird setup and punchline for me, but I do have to admit that the, like, neighborhood during Frank's, whatever it is, 50s, 60s, whatever that time period is that he's in there where it's creepy and green and cookie cutter and, you know, quote unquote perfect – that is my favorite visual element because, you know, they, they even brought us from like a widescreen cropped it to old school, uh, different aspect ratio. Like I, I just enjoyed seeing that before I saw what was going on. Like when we first see the house and it's got that perfect neighborhood, perfect yard, everything like that. I just thought it was so interesting and I was so intrigued. And that's part of what was such an issue for me is that like, it was so cool to see that part. And then what it turned into and what it gave us was just like, it sucked. Like, like I could have done without that. He didn't have to be that. I didn't need that. It's interesting that that's your favorite visual because mine was also related to how the house and the neighborhood looked, but it was in the present day because we get that comparison of this beautifully redone upstairs for the purposes of Airbnb, basically. I mean, it's just like almost a corporate owned rental, but we have that. And then we have the the downstairs, the basement world, and then we have the neighborhood outside completely contrasting with that. And I don't know. I just like, I like seeing the difference there versus, uh, you know, Frank's world where everything else was beautiful outside, but inside was just rotten. Overall, I got to say my favorite visual element of this film uh, was the lighting throughout the film. I think I loved the lighting throughout the film. I thought the play on the lighting with the shadows and the scenes with the doorways and things like that, that and the camera angles uh, utilizing that lighting, I thought was really beautiful. So if I if I had to pick a favorite visual element, the lighting was amazing. Oh, I 100% agree. I'm also going to go, though, with the lighting as you get deeper into the house. We leave the well-lit, beautiful, like really cozy setting of this Airbnb, and you descend down one level into the basement, and it's spooky, it's warm, it feels like danger, and then you just get this cold emptiness in the rest of the tunnels. And you have these this weird lighting coming in from the TV, and you see how some of the rooms in here are just fucking spooky. But the way that lighting or even the lack of lighting adds so much dimension is really, really cool and compelling for this movie, which I think you know, really helps it shine. I think that was felt no better than in the moment of my favorite scene, which was our girl Tess going back down 
trying to find Keith and just seeing him emerge from the shadows and then get pulled right back down when the uh, when the mother attacks him. To see not only Tess kind of navigate this space of trying to do things the right way, trying to investigate and poke a little bit deeper, being stuck down there, finally getting out, and then going back in. That movie was, I think, one of the highest points for me because it felt like so much tension and suspense really building up in a positive way. And then when we see the mother for the first time, it's like, okay, what the fuck is going on here? And at that point, I wasn't lost, right? This wasn't a what the, what's going on here, this is outrageous, but rather a, okay, I'm invested now. I want to know what happens with Tess. My favorite scene also is related to Tess, but it's way early on. It's like the first scene of the movie. I think even though it's basically the trailer, it has the most tension of the movie. Because we know Bill Skarsgård, because we're expecting him to be bad, and because he's throwing off so many red signs... And because Tess is like falling into this trap, I think we're just spending it there yelling at the screen like Ryan was doing of don't do this. What are you doing? Don't go in there, et cetera, et cetera. I think it was probably the most like effective scene of the movie where we were really feeling like you have a way out of this and you're and you're so close. But yet so far. That was what I loved about the first part of the movie is like you're expe- like just like you said, you're expecting to see you, you see Bill Skarsgård and you're expecting him to be the antagonist in some way. And it's get, got you guessing and it's leading you in all these directions. But for me, my favorite scene was definitely the, the tunnel scene when AJ is in there and he's f- tumbling around with the flashlight and it falls and it's blinking and it's going on and off. And then you see the woman just like come out of nowhere right into his face right and then he just drops into the into the cage or trap or whatever it was but that was my favorite scene in the film i think my favorite scene it's hard for me to pick one if i'm being honest because i found so many of these scenes to be frustrating but one of them is the man from the water tower andre saving her like pulling tess out of the house you know because she previously thought he was like kind of coming to attack her you know and so he reaches out saves her pulls her away from that literal monster coming out from the basement and i i enjoy that so much because it was such a turn and i was so sad to see him get literally killed with his own arm like i don't know it was just a disappointing story for him unfortunately because i think he didn't deserve that especially because it was just these stupid people in airbnb like he's been there for so long but um yeah i i think him showing that he was a good person and like you know kind of flipping the first scene of him it was one of my favorites Okay, so the whole good person thing, I think we, I think we need to talk about that because sure, he's not like an evil person, right? But does he exhibit that hubris that I mentioned in my review? Because he does, right? So he, he, of course we're safe here. He mentions it to them. Like it's been 15 years. She would never burst in here. And of course, seconds later, the mother bursts through the wall and then kills him with his own arm or whatever. But like, Yeah, he's not necessarily a bad dude, but he makes those decisions like the other characters makes because because they're men and they don't have to think. Because just like in that scene that we get with Tess talking to Keith about it, right? Like there's two different experiences and the men are just like, I don't see why I would need to worry at all. 
but I don't think that he's saying I don't see I, why I would have to worry. He's just figured out how to live here. The only reason she does bust in is because these dingbats literally did what he said not to do, which is don't come back over here. If you go to the cops or whatever, don't come back. Don't come this way. Don't come back here at night. She's going to come looking for you. Like, I, I'm not, you know, I'm not trying to make a character judgment on the man. I'm just, I like that it got flipped that he was initially shown as like, hey, girl, like it might have been some creepy guy trying to catcall her or something or whatever. And it's not. It's someone that helped pull her out to safety because he knows what's going on there. And the only reason he gets killed and his little humble abode is ruined is because these people show up and again, exactly like he asked him not to. I see what you're saying, Mac, but I, I, I don't think like Andre, he just didn't deserve to die to me. Like, I feel like he was living in this place for however long he truly was trying to help Tess out, right? He gave, he gave her advice, like, go leave. Don't come back. She came back. Like, this is, here's the thing, right? These characters made horrible decisions throughout this film. They made arguably dumb decisions constantly throughout the film that put themselves in perfect positions to die. And it just, it lead, it leads you almost wanting to root for the antagonist throughout the film, which is why, I mean, the feeling that I got from this was like exactly the same reason why fans started rooting for Jason Voorhees in Friday the 13th, right? Because these kids like are just so dumb making such terrible decisions that you just want the antagonists to rip them apart. You want to see them die. Right. Because, but they're making terrible decisions. Ryan's biggest complaint about this movie is like, why am I screaming? Why are you doing that? And that's the point. I mean, Chris told us, Literally, the director was like, I want to write a story about intuition and red flags. And I mean, the the whole point, I think, is that like the fact that women have to be on alert at all times, in, in at least in this in the current experience, hopefully in the future, we can get away from that. But like, it's just like the nature of reality is that you can't ignore red flags. You have to use your intuition. You can't do things that Keith's character could have. Keith, Keith, as as a man, could have just walked into that Airbnb image. Sure. Right. I'll be safe. It's not a big deal. I'll stay in the other room. No problem. And like, that was her whole, her whole diatribe to him was like, you can do that. And I can't. And the whole movie was just like a two hour version of that. I need to make an argument here because sure, they had a conversation about, oh, men can do things that women can't do. And we look at things differently. That's nice and all. But what is the point of this movie where she only makes bad decisions? Like it, it it doesn't connect for me. It's like, just because you point out that women can't do everything men do, she then goes and does a bunch of stuff that she shouldn't have done, not because she's a woman, just because it was dumb. Like, you don't know this guy. Why are you going to save him? And that guy's a douchebag. You don't know him either. And you're going to save him. Like, why are you putting yourself in these scenarios? It doesn't connect for me with the gender thing. If you don't know things about what they were trying to do when they wrote the movie. Okay, so I think the reality here is like this movie paints the picture of imperfect humanity and there are layers of evil and there are layers of decision making. There are layers of perspective and how we move through spaces. There are layers even within the socioeconomic breakdown of this, right? So we have Andre who is conditioned to surviving in this environment. We have the mother who is again conditioned to surviving in this environment. And then we see those who have the resources, a AJ to just own this property and it be chilling unattended, um, and just generating wealth. And it's the one spot of wealth in this whole neighborhood. And then we have Tess who is, you know, 
able to to have such opportunity, right? To be able to rent a place, to do a job interview, to do what she loves and to do what she's passionate about. And there, there's just a lot baked in here, right? And that's part of why I think I leaned more to the slash side of this. However, I don't agree that Tess made dumb decisions. Tess, Tess followed her intuition and her red flags were raised. She was very cautious about Keith in the beginning. And there are some things that are imperfect, right? We all do things that I think, you know, we make mistakes. Maybe I would not have gone down into that basement. And I think even the point of like not knowing someone, it seems as though she had that moral character of, okay, but I need to go. I need to help. I need to be able to do something. And while I think, you know, we can, we can like to think that somebody should have done something differently. The reality is we wouldn't have had that movie. Um, but I think where this movie really misses for me is in the way that it treats AJ as a character, because it's one thing to say, Hey, here's this asshole. We all know he's an asshole. He's not going to change by the end. You're going to want to root for his death and we're going to get that. But it doesn't, nothing meaningful is done in the span of time that he's on screen. You know what I mean? Instead, we are here to listen to him, to see his reaction to Frank, to try to understand what he sees evil as. Like, oh, Frank, you're disgusting. I'm nothing like you. And I, I think that's that's where this really struggles for me. I don't need a reminder that people like this exist. Live You live in a world with people like this. I've certainly walked into the situation where I, as a woman, can have a concern and then a dude can walk into the situation and think, oh, no, that guy's cool. Everything's fine. It's frustrating. I just don't need that in a, in a movie. And I, and I think I could take it in a movie if it's handled really well or if it's done with some kind of intention. But here it felt like, yeah, we're going to do something about this. And then it just kind of fumbles its way through. And then AJ finally dies eventually. But it's just, it felt very unceremonious. I think my frustration about that character really came from, again, I can understand where people are going to say this is camp, but from the ends, like close to the ending scene where he's like, I guess realizing that he's hurt someone and like it's meant to, you know, kind of draw this parallel to realizing that he raped someone, but like that is not cool. Like it wasn't funny. It wasn't a character arc. It, it wasn't growth. It was just like, I don't know. It was, it, it was like, acting like it, it was just like he th- it seemed like he was just told to say that I don't know I don't know how to explain this because obviously we're talking about a movie but it just did not connect to me at all and it's not it's not funny it's not campy enough to like oh my god that's so exaggerated it just seemed like he was just as douchey as he was and this is what he really thought like oh man I hurt somebody I should do something about it like it was just dumb for me yeah, so I think this is this is part of the thing, right, Ryan? When you go to highlight something like that, wh- who is your audience? What are you trying to say? Where are you trying to go with this, right? Because you you either need to educate somebody who is unaware that this is happening, you're trying to point it out to the people who are like this, uh, or you're trying to shed light on something, right? Or maybe it's just like, oh, we all know this exists, we're going to make a big joke about it. This isn't the topic, nor do I think the director was trying to make a joker out of any of this, right? I think he uses humor to try to balance out some really tonally heavy material. The problem, though, is that it's unclear 
what direction he wanted to take with his message to the audience because he did not land something as effective enough for AJ's character in particular. Oh, okay, if I if if a, if a guy like AJ watches this movie, what is that guy going to think? What is he going to take away from this, right? And again, maybe it's just not that kind of movie, but it sure seemed like it was trying to be for a while, which is a problem for me. Yeah, it seems like the only point really was just emphasis. It was just an exclamation point, but there was no real like follow through or follow up about like, so what next? But I think if you look at all the characters, it's all kind of like that. You know, looking looking at Keith, we want to like Keith because it's Bill Skarsgård. We also want to hate him because we know that he can portray evil very well. But at the, at the same time, he's revealed to be not a bad guy, right? He's just part of this like artist collective and they're like, you know, gentrifying entire neighborhoods at a time. And so, yeah, he seems like a good guy, but he's also part of the problem here. And it's all, it's all of them, all of every single character on screen. The police, obviously, it's not that they didn't do anything, right? It's that they like, they didn't do anything. And that's the problem. It's not like, okay, they, they didn't factor this. They didn't factor into this whatsoever. It's like they actively didn't help someone who desperately needed their help. Mm-hmm. But to what point? But that's, that's, I think that's where it falls short is again, it's just an emphasis. It's just an exclamation point. It's just like, Hey, Hey, look at this thing we did, but there's no, like, there's no next step. Yeah. To me, it just, so I get all the points the movie was making, but it just felt like they were just shoving these points forward, but not going anywhere with, with a lot of them. Sean, in, in considering what you're saying, right, it's almost like we're going to talk about a problem, but not talk about a solution. You know what I mean? It's not giving any resolution towards the end of it. Let me just say, like, I love that Tess walks away from all of this. I really love it. As much as she gets beaten down um, and the way that she kind of like does a mercy kill on the mother, right? To like kind of like release her from this painful existence. It is something where it doesn't do something conclusive enough in the ending for me to feel like I was given some kind of resolution. Yeah. I, I think that point, right, with Tess at the end, that was unique for me. I felt like that was a moment where we felt empathy for the antagonist, which was interesting to feel at the end of a horror movie. I, I just didn't feel like the movie ended and resonated with me to a point where I felt like it concluded properly. Like it just, um, I don't know, something something was off for me there. I did like that point, but I just, the, the ending just didn't do it for me. I can understand like feeling like there's like a disconnect on something there in the ending. And I mean, this movie is imperfect to me. Again, it was like a very much like a 50.1, 49.9% like split on which way I was going to go with this. And I think I have to revisit the moments that felt the most chilling, the moments that felt more most connected to the original vision, right? Like I want to take um, the gift of fear and really break that down and, and really try to convey this like sense of intuition. You think about seeing Frank as a character. I was so confused <laughs> the moment that we see him on screen. And, you know, obviously you understand like this is his house. We're going to see like some kind of origin story. But to see the way he moved like a predator, to see how he is the barbarian in this movie, it was absolutely chilling. And it reminded me so much of that book and the same like sick feeling I got in my stomach reading that. And we think about how you're constantly on high alert and you have to maintain this level of awareness. And it's because of predators like Frank. Um, and, and it's also because of pre- predators like AJ. It's because of just 
people who will go through these motions, you know, let, let's say even Keith trying to be very, very accommodating, almost not realizing how uncomfortable he's making the situation. So this movie, I think, in, in what you were saying, Mac, shines a light on the fact that there was nobody in this movie who was beyond reproach. That there was nobody in this movie who was, who was, who wasn't flawed in some way. I, I think though, there's a couple worst parts to this movie that I want to bring up. And one of them is going to seem kind of strange. I don't understand. I never really got the whole thing about the mother having superhuman strength and speed and agility when this is someone who's like born of incest. They should be crippled, if anything, um, by how many generations apparently Frank was doing this. So that didn't really compute for me. The second thing I'd bring up is, honestly, this is just small, small nitpicks at this point, but like Keith, Keith's reaction to like Tess's informing him of how men and women have a different experience. Like the fact that he wasn't like, of course, it's 2022. I'm not an idiot. You know, the, the fact that he's just like, well, I don't know, like really that, that seemed tone deaf for the character. So maybe it makes sense for that character. And then the other one just being the fact that, of course, Tess didn't leave as soon as the mix up with Keith became apparent. Again, like Chris said, this movie never would have happened, but like, I feel like any of us in that spot would have been like, I'm going to get in my car. I'm going to call somebody. I'm leaving. Oh, I'm sorry. Are you saying that the movie wasn't logical and logical decisions weren't made? You're telling me there's no hotels in Detroit? It's a nitpick. It's, it's the same kind of nitpick I had with Spree when, you know, when our, our comedian character like got back into the car. Same kind of nitpick. Like, again, there's not a movie without it happening. So obviously it had to happen. Of course. I'm going in a really lighthearted direction, right? Obviously, the worst part of this movie for me is like Frank, AJ, etc. Because of like, I don't, I just don't need that. It, it serves no purpose to really educate me or change my mind or do anything but then to re-traumatize and re-trigger me in ways that I don't need. However, the mother diving, free falling to save Tess that was the moment that I laughed so hard I cried. And I'm saying this in a lighthearted way. Uh, I'm saying it's the worst part. I think it's the worst. It's so bad. It's good part because that was a moment of camp. That was a tonal choice and direction. That was a doozy. We see her body just emerge over and, and start that fall. And I'm like, oh, Jesus Christ, what's happening here? I feel like in theaters, that would have been so funny. Like with a you know, a packed theater full of people. I feel like I would have laughed at that too. At fu- at home, it wasn't funny, but I feel like in a theater, it would have been. I laughed so hard and I said, what the actual fuck? And then it made other people laugh. And it was, it was a good time. Uh, my best part is very simple. It's that Tess lived and AJ died. The, that Those are the best things about this movie that when you come out, you can at least revel in that. For me, a best part of this film, I guess it would be the score. I felt the score was super menacing, right? It led to some really high tension throughout the film and and it just felt like it it's it's like I described some moments like in some of my favorite songs in metal like from Pantera and different bands like that. There's some riffs, there's some parts of this score that felt like there's a monster crawling towards you. It just felt menacing, something coming out of the depths coming towards you and lurking and stuff. And that really captivated me especially in the first half of the film it's really where it drew my attention it was spot on oh man especially the moment of you know we get to the beginning of the movie and you hear these like haunting vocals and then it just disappears as soon as the camera pushes into tess's car so fucking good absolutely love that and i think it's moments like that and little details like that that have me excited for another watch 
I was really down on this movie when I first saw it in the theater, despite that rip roaring laughter. And I, this is something that I really wish I, I was able to get another watch in, especially now that it's streaming on HBO Max. I do plan on watching it again soon, but I'm really hoping that I can find some more things to like to really solidify the slash. I gave it a solid slash, but uh, this is one of those one and done kind of movies for me. I think, it, you know, while it was a good watch, while it lasted, it's just not one I'm going to find time to watch again. I'm just not going to make an effort to carve out that time. Yeah, I think if I hadn't seen this, I wish I had seen it in a theater, but I can't imagine myself watching it again, even with like groups of people. It's just it's just not for me. Yeah, I definitely don't feel the need to watch this one again. I really wanted this to be as great as everyone hyped this movie up to be. I will force myself to watch this movie again only because I did not watch it all the way through from start to finish, and I did watch a movie in between. So I'm going to give it the benefit of a, the benefit of a doubt, and I'm going to watch it one more time. I highly doubt this is going to change my decision, but I'll force myself through it. Well, Sean, I'm excited to see if anything changes for you on that rewatch. I'm excited if it changes for me on a rewatch as well. Obviously, there's so much that you can unpack about this movie. There's so much to explore. Even, you know, as we've been streaming this recording, the chat is fierce tonight in defense or support of, you know, us being split down the middle on this movie. And while we have certainly talked about a lot, there's a lot more to say. And we want to know what you think. For now, there you have it, folks. Barbarian has earned two hacks and two slashes. We'll see if those scores stay at the end of the year, but we also need your perspective as well. Let us know. You can join in on the conversation by hanging out with us for free over in our Discord. You can click the link in our show notes to sign up. If you've enjoyed listening to this episode, consider becoming one of our patrons. Visit patreon.com slash hacker slash to enjoy more of the show with early access, extended episodes, bonus content, and live shows. Our thanks again to Manscaped for their support of Hacker Slash. We'll see you next time, folks. And remember, you're going to have to make some tough choices. Just remember, always be yourself unless you suck. Bye. Bye.